0: Well, I was talking this morning with Herb, and it just dawned on me that uh, that I got to uh, start us on this technology journey, and now hopefully I get to end us on these Zoom meetings. Um, and if you guys remember, um, I don't really like this. Uh, this format uh, doesn't is very difficult to interact with you guys, and so I'm going to ask you if you would open uh, your Bible to First Corinthians 10. We're going to we're going to probably go a lot faster than Ben usually goes. Um, but I want to touch on on First uh, Corinthians 10, uh, verses 1 through 14. Um, if you've been with us for a while, you know that we've been journeying through First Corinthians. Um, in a series we've titled Life in the Church, uh, we are getting a picture of what and how the church uh, functioned in Corinth. Uh, some of the struggles and challenges that they walked through and that they asked about. Um, And I hope that you all have found it as encouraging as I do. um, Just the reality that um, some of the struggles that we have in life um, are the same things that they that they dealt with. The divisions within the church, the differences in opinions um, and the way things go. And yet um, over these last couple weeks in chapters eight and nine, we've We've learned that uh, that part of being a being a part of the church is laying down our rights uh, for the betterment of, of the body as a whole, um, for the betterment of of the body of believers that we're surrounded by, also uh, for the advancement of the gospel. And so, if you remember, um, starting out in chapter eight, um, Paul is addressing a question that the Corinthians asked him in a letter about food offered to idols. Um, and Paul being a a good shepherd of this church and a good elder of this church saw the question, um, but knew that there was a deeper, there was deeper things to deal with on the way to his ultimate answer. And I believe that in the beginning of chapter 10, we're going to see what his answer is to the, the question about food offered to idols. Um, but he walked us through in chapter eight, um, that there's, there's a knowledge, there's an understanding that idols aren't real. Um, that that false guards are just that. they're false. They're, they don't have any power. And so uh, food sacrifice and really has no real significance. Um, and so we have rights. We have this understanding and we have this knowledge. Um, about that, but if you look at uh, verse in chapter eight, verse one, uh, this knowledge tend to puff up the the believers, the 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 ones that considered themselves more mature. They they found themselves more righteous or more right because they understood that that uh, these idols were just. Falsities. There, there wasn't any real significance. They had no real power, and so the food sacrificed them to them was just food. Um, but the question that we have to ask is: um, Is our my are my knowledge and my rights more important than loving the the people that are not at that same place that have have not come to that same place of understanding, who have not come to that same place of maturity in their walk uh, with the Lord? Um, and, and so if you look then at verse nine, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. So the Paul is telling them, yes, you're right in your understanding that, that this food sacrifice to idols is not, it's just food still. There's nothing that changes. Those idols have no power. And yet, um, if you eating that becomes a stumbling block then you have some issues that you have to deal with. If you're hindering your brother in Christ because you're partaking in those in, in those meals and feasts, um, then you have issues that you need to deal with. You're, you're not uh, loving your brother as you ought. In chapter nine, Paul continues to press into the rights that are available. Uh, to believers, uh, specifically to the rights that were available to him um, as a minister of the gospel, as an apostle. Um, and yet he comes to the end of chapter 9, and, we, and Ben landed us there fairly hard. Uh, verses 22 and 23, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. See, the the rights that we have as believers, the rights um, to things uh, that we have as believers cannot be a stumbling block and a hindrance to the message of the gospel. Um, And so we have to be willing as believers to lay down those rights. um, Again, for the betterment of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and for the advancement of the gospel um and so as we as we press in today um to chapter 10 as i've been studying this i look and i and i feel like paul is now going to come back to us and, and give us his real answer to what should they do about these idol feasts that they wanted to partake in so if you begin with me in chapter 10 um Starting in, uh, or sorry, right away in verse one. Uh, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. So Paul starts chapter ten, connecting the Corinthians to the Old Testament, helping them to understand that they um, they're part of a bigger picture than than just what they understand in Corinth, um, and that they were um, they were also part of the the story of God. just like the Israelites and just like the Israelites, people that were, that are a part of the church um, experience uh, the blessings of, of God. They experienced the Holy spirit um, and they were baptized just like the old Testament, uh, the Israelites in the old Testament. Um, they were, they were experiencing the miracles and the, the blessings of God. Um, they were led by the cloud through the wilderness Um, The pillar of fire at night, they crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground. Um, They were given food in the desert, uh, manna, and then quail. They were given drink, supernaturally given drink. Um, And so the Israelites experienced, they got to partake in the the blessings of God. Um, But verse five, it says, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. What we've got to understand is that there, is, there are a couple of realities that, that happen. Um, we as believers, uh, or we as the church, um, can be made up of two people. We can be made up of the saved and the unsaved at the same time. It's possible that, that we as believers, um, or we as people who are church attenders, can walk through and experience all the blessings of or most of the blessings of Christ and yet never really believe and never really are saved. And there's a warning there that we need to heed as uh, as churchgoers, as people who would call themselves Christians. Uh, Jesus tells us this in Matthew 7, 21 um, uh, through 23, when he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does uh, the will of my father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, there's a warning. There was a warning in the wilderness and there's a warning uh, to us that it is possible to live on the fringes um, and to experience the blessings of God and yet never really believe, never really give your heart uh, to Jesus. And so we need to heed that warning here. Um, But at the same time, we got to understand that that's not all of these people that that were overthrown in the wilderness. Um, As I read through Exodus and Numbers in preparation um you see that only really two guys go um get to see the promised land um Caleb and Joshua the rest of them all die in the wilderness they all wander for 40 years and they go through this process of sin and repentance and sin and repentance and yet um only two are allowed to actually see the promise um and there's no way that there was only two believers in the in the uh, family of Israel that walked through the wilderness. And so the the other reality that we see in this is that it is also possible for us to be fully believers and yet fall into a sin that God detests to the point that he is not going to allow us to experience the blessings, uh, on this, in this life anymore. And so we have to be aware of those things as we, as we walk through this passage that, um, that there's two camps. Either you're a believer um, that that uh, is walking into some sin issues and needs to deal with them. Or maybe you're not a believer yet. And in that case, um, we would urge you to give your heart and give your life to Jesus. To trust him. He is good. He can take all of your sin. And he is big enough and gracious enough, gracious enough to handle it wherever you are at. As we move along in 1 Corinthians, uh, starting in verse 6. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. And Paul is further connecting um, the Corinthian believers to the old Testament. All scripture is God breathed. That means that that had application for them. It had warnings for them that Paul wanted them to understand. He wanted the Corinthians to understand that if you persist in sin, there is consequences. There is discipline that continues um, to follow you, um, and people die an earthly death because of of their wandering into sin. Um, this passage that the most closely ties to um, Numbers 25. And if you turn to Numbers twenty-five, the um, verses one through nine. While Israel lived in Shittim with the people, uh, or while Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore um, with the daughters of Moab. These people, uh, these invited the people to sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, take the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of, uh, each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation. And the people of Israel, uh, while they were weeping in the entrance to the tent of meeting, when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of the Israel and the woman, through her belly. And the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. You see, in in this illustration in in the Old Testament, the people started by taking wives and sleeping with the daughters of Moab's, and then it trickled into um, more sin and more sin and more sin, which ended up in, in the worship of a false god. And our scriptures tell us that we have a jealous god. And so Paul... Uh, wanted to wanted the Israel or wanted the Corinthians to see um, that there's some se- seriousness about idolatry. There's some seriousness and some consequences to idolatry um, that is bigger than the rights that they believe they have. Verse uh, 1 Corinthians verse 10 or chapter 10 verse 11. Now these things happen to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. We come back to uh, verse uh, chapter eight, verse one: the people that that think they stand firm, that pride of your walk with the Lord, that pride that that wells up in us, um, that puffs us up, and. Paul warns them that if you think you're standing firm, you might fall. So then we get into verse 13, and this is one of the most beautiful promises in Scripture. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. See, all of our sin is common. There's not any sin that you're stuck in that is unique to you. It's common to all of us. Uh, A desire to, um, or a temptation to disobey uh, God to walk in ways that are not, that are contrary to his best ways for us is common to man. It does not matter what sin you're stuck in, uh, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever today, it doesn't matter what you're stuck in. It's common. There are other people that struggle with that. And there's some beauty in that for us as a church and as a family um, that you can know that there's, there are people that have walked the path that you've walked. And that's the beauty of, of congregational life is that God wants to bind us together that at Calvary Church, when we're walking through some dark stuff, there may be somebody in our church who's walked through that, who's further along through that same dark stuff that can come alongside, that can step into the mess with you and say, I've been here. I know what you're going through. I know the pain and the hurt uh, of that sin struggle. Um, and I'm going to walk that with you. It's common to man. So I want you to be encouraged today, Calvary, that um, if you're struggling and it, and you're fighting against sin, um, be okay with, with that. And be okay, not that that you're failing in your sin or not that, that uh, you're sinning, but be okay that to be okay enough to talk to people about your struggle so that you can find those people that have walked that journey that can help lead you through because God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And understanding that um, my, when Paul says this in the scripture, He's not talking about my personal ability to stand up against sin. Um, It's not my ability that's apart from Christ. It's my ability through Christ that is that ability that he will not let us be tempted past. Our God is faithful that in Christ, we have the ability to stand against our sin. We have the ability through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. But, but with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You see, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's walked this, but when those temptations come, it's really easy to stay isolated and to give in. And yet what the scripture tells us is that when that temptation comes, the Holy Spirit has the ability to show you the way out. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts you and the Holy Spirit comes and, and walks you to that path away from the isolation and away from the sin um, so that you can endure the temptation. Um, I wish I could tell you, church, that the, that temptation would stop when you come to Christ, but that's not true. The temptations will be there, and yet the Holy Spirit has the ability to help you walk through them and to grow through them and to put them behind you uh, for the glory of Christ. And because God has given us the Holy Spirit through Jesus, because he has um, given us that ability and that strength, we have a response and that's in, uh, to idolatry in verse four, uh, 14. Therefore, my beloved flee from idol- idolatry. And it's the same context, the same word that he uses in chapter six, when he tells us to flee sexual, immor- sexual immorality. See, idolatry has a way of sneaking on us, just like sexual immorality has a way of sneaking up on us. Um, and before you know it, you're, you're swallowed up by the sin, and so I believe Paul's response to their question about eating meat is flee from idolatry. And so all of this talking about your rights is building them up in an understanding of their their rights and their and who they are in Christ in chapter eight and nine, and understanding that the gospel is more important um, than than your own rights. But in 14, he tells us, "Flee from it. Don't dabble in it. Why would you? Um, it's gonna, it's going to draw you in, just like it did in Numbers 25. It started out maybe innocently, and it, and as a desire for for women to become their wives, or for whatever reason, and it and it spiraled out to um, worship of Baal." Idolatry is dangerous, and it's dangerous for the. It was dangerous for the church to to participate in these idolatrous feasts, um, even though uh, their Christian right, uh, their understanding, their knowledge, and their conscience allows them to partake in that deal. It's they they can do it without uh, falling into sin, and yet Paul says flee. He says run from it. It's it's you. Know, you might be able to do it, but you might not. You might fall, um, and if you fall, there's consequences. And we've seen what the consequences were for the Israelites in the Old Testament. And Paul lays it out before us. Um, and I think that's what he's laying before us, brothers and sisters. Let's continue to have a radical attitude towards sin. Let's continue to um, to see sin as what it is a a disobedience uh, and a a leaving of um, of our heavenly father and our Lord Jesus uh, for the things of this world. Um, And understand that in some cases you need to run from that. You need to flee and stay and keep a a healthy gap between you and the sin. You need to be socially distanced for, uh, you know, for lack of a, better example there probably isn't one right now but if you're walking right next to somebody you could get that has covid you could get covid but if you're six feet away the, the chances are a lot less and so let's flee from immorality let's flee from um from these feasts even though we can with with our knowledge can understand that that that's just food that that those gods aren't real but maybe our brother can't or maybe our sister can't. Or maybe they'll struggle where we wouldn't. Um, and that comes back to our rights and why we would lay them down. Um, it's for the betterment of of the body of Christ as a whole. So if you would, would pray with me, um, that would be fantastic. Father God, you, uh, through your servant Paul, give us a... A very strong warning. A couple of them in this passage. But you give us a great promise as well. A promise that you are with us. That you will give us a way to, to uh, stand up against our sin. And yet you, you challenge us and call us to flee from idolatry. To flee from those situations where we could fall. And so, Father, I just ask that you would continue to grow us as a church, uh, continue to uh, help us to to love one another well. That we would um, that we would care more about the gospel, and we would care more about our brothers and sisters in Christ than we do our own rights um, towards things that we enjoy or love um, in this world. That we would long more for you. And for for the pleasures of this world we pray in Jesus name. Amen.